0: Welcome to The Exchange Church. I'm glad I could make it today to preach. Um, How are you guys doing? Good. Good. I have to tell you real quick, first of all, man, this crowd (laughs) looks amazing. Uh, You guys look so fantastic. Uh, So glad that you're here with us. Um, I want to introduce you to an opportunity that you have, if you're in the room, uh, to connect and to grow and to develop the last couple of Sundays We've introduced a few different things. We've we've talked about spirit connection, which is with Pastor Kerry That's going to be on Sunday evenings. This, these are uh, connect groups that you can uh, grow and develop in and uh, Then last week I talked about I'm sorry. I my I need my confidence. I need confidence uh, men's group uh, last week we talked about the men's group. For any of the men in the room that are struggling with uh, sexual integrity, uh, we want to connect with you. That's going to be on Thursdays from 5:15 to 6:15, uh, just one hour of your time. We're going to honor that one hour. So wherever you're at at 5:15, if it's at the office or in the car, whatever, it's it's online. It's Zoom. So uh, I won't recap that too much, other than to say that. I believe that 100% of the men at the Exchange Church can walk in complete and total freedom, free of all addiction from pornography, all all problems with sexual identity, sexual uh, temptations. Amen. I believe that's possible. We're, We're walking in freedom at the Exchange. Now, I do want to introduce you to the third opportunity that you have, and that is single life. Any singles in the room? Usually singles are much more vocal than that, Chad's the most vocal. Hey, Chad, when you were just doing offering, you said you've been here a couple years. He's been here 10 years, guys. Uh, It just has felt, it's just flown by for you, right? Uh, Well, Chad is single. He's been single the entire 10 years. And, well, here's the deal we we want to make sure and honor singleness at the exchange because singleness is not just a phase that people go through until they get married there are many singles they are called to be single and so we want to honor just the ministry of singleness and so we're we're offering this this group it's going to be online or in person in person Tuesday nights Tuesday nights where okay Chad's house And they're going to go through some curriculum. Uh, Several years back, Carrie and I went to Love After Marriage conference, and it was absolutely phenomenal. It just helps you to get in tune with what God is doing in your heart and in your life and in your marriage. Well, this curriculum that Chad's going to be leading for us is birthed out of Love After Marriage, except it's for singles, and so it's going to be really powerful. It's for ages 18 and up who are not married. Now you can be engaged, you can be dating, uh, you could be you know, uh, not dating at all. You could be, have a vow of celibacy. We don't care. Uh, you just need to be single and 18 and plus. All right. So we really encourage you to do that. If you want, you can scan the QR code that's on the screen. If you want more information for single life, that's one way that you can connect. Also, if you want to check out the other ones that I referenced, you can go to our website, the exchangechurch.org, and you can hit the little search button and type in groups And it will pop up a page that explains all of our groups is that right greg so we have everything there for you all right you guys ready for the word yes come on father we just come before you today i thank you for the time that i have with these people your children your sons and your daughters holy spirit i've already felt you among us i i just give you full permission to do whatever it is that you want to do in our hearts in our minds in our in our traditions. God, in our expectations. Holy Spirit, just shake us up. In Jesus' name I pray. Let the church say amen. 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 So today, our time together, I just want to have a chat, if that's all right. Um, I have three pages of notes prepared with scripture and transitions and, and all of that, but in light of what's happening in our world, I just want to have a family conversation. Is that all right? Yes. Um, I'm going to make the assumption that we all know what's going on in our world. And maybe we don't. I don't know. I don't actually listen to any mainstream media. I don't even have cable. Um, and that's not because I'm holy. It's because I'm cheap. <laughs> um, I run a tight ship and I live on a budget. Um, so I, don't, I really don't listen. I think if you listen to CNN or Fox and that's the only news that you get, you're not really getting the news. Um, I make the effort every single day to um, find news, global news from foreign sources as well as, you know, I'm not trying to diss our media. We have some people in our church that work for mainstream media and I trust them. Um, but I just think the whole world is a bit corrupt these days. And so I don't actually have a good pulse on how many of you know what's going on. Um, do you know what's going on with Russia and Ukraine? Is it, it, I'm not sure based on your vocal response or the hands. If it's based on the hands, about half of you are clueless. Can you just wave at me? Just, I just want to know if, if we're all on the same page. Okay, that saves me a good amount of explanation. Um, can, I, can I get another wave of hand? If you've gotten most of your news from mainstream media, there's no shame in that, but will you just wave at me? Okay, that's good. Um, if you've gotten most of your news from not mainstream media, wave at me. Okay. So we've got a wide range of people. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to say that none of us actually know what's going on. We know what the media source wants us to know. And that's probably not really the truth. Now, I will just say right out of the gate, I'm not a conspiracy theorist on, on any stretch of the imagination. And I've had conversations with people that they go to sources that are quite you know, uh, controversial. OK, I don't know if you're familiar with QAnon. Um, I hope you don't get your source from that. Um, but I'm just not one of those people, you know, I try to look at every avenue and, and take in from all different sides. I, I learned a long time ago, day, week of, of marriage, there's two sides to every story. And when you're dealing with media, there are at least 35 sides to every story. And so you have to take in from so many different inputs and then ascertain what's really going on. Well, listen, our time today My goal is not to communicate what I think is going on or ask you what you think is going on. That's, you can go to YouTube or Google and you can find plenty of sources to back up what you think is going on. All right. I want us to talk about what the word of God is saying about this season. I don't know. How many of you, by waving at me again, you would would say that there's some level of concern with the world stage right now? Uh, I mean, just this morning, we find out from a news source that Putin has activated um, nuclear capabilities, his nuclear teams. I mean, this this is serious conversation, right? I mean... I would would assume that we all have some level of concern of where is this heading. So my goal today is not to present a a polished three-point sermon to you. I want to share my heart with you and let you know what has sustained me over the last three, four, five days with the craziness and what will continue to sustain me over the coming weeks and months as we either see things resolve or deteriorate. Okay, whether that means you and I are living in a world that's almost prehistoric with no electricity and and we've gone back into the dark ages or it's just resolved within 24 hours. There's there's something that needs to sustain us. And I want to talk to you about that and how to view all of this through a biblical lens, because when you view this through a biblical lens, it kind of eases the concern. Uh, I'm not sure concern is, the, it eases for sure the fear, yeah. all right? You can still be concerned for your world, concerned for Ukrainians, concerned for, for Russians, concerned for America. Con- you can have all the concern, but there's a difference between concern and fear, all right? Um, I don't, you're aware of the Vienna talks. The Vienna talks are going on, I've said from the beginning I'm not sh- I'm not really sure about this Russia Ukraine business. Like I know it's a real war. I know if you're one of those that believe this is all a charade, I can't back you on that because I actually have videos from some friends in Ukraine and I'm I'm actually seeing the helicopters and the bombs. Okay, so my friends are getting bombed. Um, so I know that it's real, but I. St- I feel like this has kind of been a, look, like a magician, look over here, while this hand does this, you know. So I'm I'm trying to find where that left hand is and what's going on. Um, but Vienna Talks is quite interesting. The Vienna Talks are going on, and just yesterday or today, it appears they've been going on for a while. They have just dragged on for a while, but it appears that Iran might be ready to accept the terms of Vienna Now, the Vienna talks, they're nuclear negotiations for Iran, all right, so put that in your back pocket. We're going to come back to that in a moment, but just know that this Russia-Ukraine stuff is going on at the same time that the Vienna talks are going on, and I think we might see this, might see this play out in scripture, and I'm going to show you how. Um, I do want to say that no matter what happens, okay, I'm... I like when people say I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet, but the reality is I am a prophet. (laughs) So I'm a prophet and maybe son son of a prophet, uh, but what I'm speaking to you today is not prophecy. This is not a thus saith the Lord, this is what's going to happen. This is a Trey's reading scripture. I have some opinions on the matter based on scripture, and I'm gonna give you a couple of options of how this could look. Is that all right? By the way, Trey's opinion, could be wrong. My opinions are often wrong, just ask my wife. Okay, so I'm not suggesting that that you need to take this to the bank, I'm only stepping out in good faith, offering some wisdom to people that I'm called the shepherd. So today you're not getting a flashy show that's going to draw crowds, You're, you're sitting around the kitchen table with your spiritual father who said, hey there's some noise going on outside, let's close the blinds, let's not look at that, let's talk. That's what's going on right now, okay? That's why you're not getting something polished, you're just getting my heart, all right? I want to say and start off by saying that no matter what happens, whether I'm on track or I'm way off track, whether I'm here tomorrow or I'm here for another 25 years or 50 years, no matter what, Uh, The Apostle Paul says to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19, he says something that I've used a lot lately for people, and I just love it, man. And I think you should write this on your bathroom mirror, just as a good reminder. He says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, in other words, if there's not something beyond this life, if the only hope that we have in Christ is that he can give me a good marriage, or he can make me a good dad, make me a good son, make me a good friend, Make me a good coworker. You know what I mean? All the, all the stuff I love to preach in sermons because I believe that the gospel is relevant for today. But if that's the only hope we have from birth until death and the good stuff that happens in between, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Do you, you get that? We can live a great life and, and God could give us so much hope for so many aspects of our finances, of our family, of our mental health. But if the hope in Christ stops in the circumstances that we can see, we are the most of all pitiable. The greatest hope that you and I have actually begins when we take the last breath here and the first eye-opening there. Like, that is, that is the great hope, my friends. The, the great hope is not really that we have a, a wonderful 401k or good retirement. I, I, would, I would like to be able to retire someday. I'm not suggesting that that's a bad goal. But the real hope that you and I have lies in the fact that there is a God in heaven. Yep. He knows my name. He sent his son on Calvary to die on the cross for my sins. He rose again on the third day, conquering death, hell, and the grave, so that I can walk in victory today, but so that someday when something takes my life, so I'm going to die someday, somehow, you are too. Everybody's going to die, unless the rapture happens. That's another sermon. But we're all guaranteed to die and everybody lives somewhere forever. And the hope that I have is that when I cross the Jordan, my forever is going to be in heaven. My forever is going to be when Jesus brings heaven to earth. He recreates this thing and we live in eternity with him. That is the hope that I have. So even looking at all of these these dynamics in the world, I want you to understand that whether Putin does what we hope, whether Biden does what we hope, whether EU does what we hope, our, our hope is not in these people anyway. C.S. Lewis said, if you read history, you find that those who did most for this present world were just those who thought most of the next. There's this fear that if you focus on Jesus returned too much that you're going to clock out and be hands off in the world. And I agree that in dysfunction that happens. But the reality is when you get a vision of the return of Jesus, when you start to see all of these things converging in a timeline that you realize we may just be the generation that sees his return, that's not the time to close the shades and turn on Netflix right? Oh, he's coming soon. Maybe I have enough savings to last me till he returns. Maybe I have enough canned goods to last me until he returns. If I know that he's coming, all the more I should be introducing people to Jesus Christ to allow salvation to come into their heart. You see, the whole purpose of knowing about Jesus' return, it's to give us hope and to purify us. Now, we all struggle with some kind of sin, some kind of temptation. Hopefully we're growing and we're walking in holiness more and more each day. But for a person who wakes up every morning and says, could this be the day that Jesus returns? He thinks twice before getting on that website. Now, I'm not suggesting that we're saved by works at all but there is a nearness of the presence of God. There is a nearness of Jesus that when you think he's coming, your actions somehow begin to align with that. You start to walk in kingdom because you feel like the kingdom is at the door. What does the end look like? All right, to to ascertain where we are with all of this that's going on, I'm not going to relay the foundation of what, what's going on in the war other than to say, I believe it's a war. Um, what does the end look like? Jesus tells us what the end is going to look like, all right? And I'm going to read that, those verses to you, and I want you to, in your Bible, if you see something that's come to pass or you feel like it's in the works, go ahead and just underline that in your Bible, okay? It's Luke 21. I'm going to pick a few verses out, and it says 10 Verse 10 says, then he said to them, Jesus says, nation will rise against nation. Anybody see that? (laughs) And kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes. Uh, I I don't know if you've researched the earthquakes as of late. Uh, You won't get the most accurate information from the USGS, United States Geological something. Is the S, but the USGS. Uh, but if you take data from around the world, you will see that earthquakes are in fact increasing and quite significantly. Um, there will be great earthquakes, famines. Uh, famine is nothing new. We've had famines, I suppose, since the beginning of uh, humanity. There have been people that have gone without food. You know what I mean? I remember when I was a kid seeing the, uh, what's her name, Sally? Sally Struthers? What's her name? Yeah. Yeah. Sally Struthers commercials: Feed the Children. Like I remember that as a kid. Famine is nothing new. It's been a global issue from the beginning. But I think what Jesus is saying is, in, as the end is coming, we're going to see it be a global issue. all right? I've on my social media shared some articles over the past couple of years of things that can contribute to a growing famine. We see things like the dereche. We see things like the flooding in China, the rice fields, a number of things that are um, adding to the problem with famine. So could we agree possibly that America could see a famine in the near term? We could. Uh, you could even look at the ships off of California, the supply chain. All of these things are adding layer upon layer that potentially could create a famine. Now, I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm saying that just we're checking off that there is a potential for the end times that Jesus described. All right. Famines and pestilences in various places. Pest? Have we had a pestilence over the last couple of years? Anyone know what a pestilence is? Uh, It starts with a c ends with a one nine and there's illegal language in between i don't know i don't know if i can say that or not because we're online but you you get what i'm saying pestilences have been around for since you know and they've been around we're not the first generation i know it feels like it we're the first generation to go through a pandemic but you ever heard of the bubonic plague yeah Come on, put on your big boy drawers. We're not, this is not new to the humanity. They did it. We can do it too. Can I get an amen from somebody walking in faith today? Okay, okay. But this is a, a global, global issue. Jesus goes on to say, fearful events and great signs from heaven. Then in verse 28, when these things begin to take place, when these things begin to take, I love that word begin, when these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near, all right? Verses 34, my wife says, that is awesome. Thank you, Jesus. It can't get here soon enough. <laughs> Verse 34, be careful. This is a warning to you as, as we agree that we're probably in the end days, in end of time, I'm not suggesting that uh, the end is in a year, but we can see it's, it's gaining traction, all right? You... You may still have another 50 years. Who knows? I'm just, we see that the end is here. And here's the warning. Here's what Jesus wants us to say, or wants us to know. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. So as you see these things growing, as you see the opportunity for fear, be careful that you don't get distracted. If you get distracted, then that day is going to close on you like a trap. Now John 16:33 says, "In this world you will have trouble, or you will have tribulation." That is guaranteed. You and I are going to have trouble in this life. All right? We're not going to get out of trouble. We're not we're not going to get out of tribulation. We're not going to get out of possible sickness, disease, illness, all of these things. But what we do need to know is that when that happens, we can't get distracted by those things. We have to continue to put our eyes on Jesus, where the real hope is. Verse 35, For it will come on all those all those who live on the face of the whole earth, be always on the watch, always on the watch, and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen, and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. So as I see the temperature getting hotter, on the global scene. I'm looking more for Jesus these days. I'm watching what's happening in the world and I'm spending more time in my Bible than I am in the news. Because the Bible is more accurate than tomorrow's newspaper. And and if I just will look around, I can start to put things in little boxes. Now listen, Bible prophecy isn't super simple, so you can have a hundred different interpretations. I get that, but there's something very calming when you realize God's not caught by surprise that Putin did this, right? Right? I, I think, you know, the Gog and Magog war. Uh, this, is, this is definitely not the Gog-Magog war, all right? I've heard some people think that this is what that is, and it's not. Um, the Gog-Magog war is a war that happens really at the end, end of time. Uh, some believe it's just prior to the rapture of the church. Some believe it's just after the rapture of the church. Some believe it's in the middle of the tribulation. Some believe it's at the end. Like, there's a lot of speculation uh, on where it is. I happen to believe that it's after the rapture, right after the rapture. Uh, so it's at that point where you and I will be gone, in my, in my opinion of what scripture and prophecy speaks. Um, but if I can see things lining up to look like the Gog-Magog war, that tells me we are very close to the end. Does that make sense to you? It's kind of like when you're driving down the highway and you see Christmas sales you see Christmas lights going up, you know that Thanksgiving is right around the corner. Right? So when I see things lining up the way the Bible describes it's going to be in the very end of days, I know we're getting close. I don't know how close, but I know we're getting close. Now, this is not the Gog-Magog war because we're not in a seven-year covenant. Israel is not in a seven-year covenant. Um, We are not in the tribulation period church. Um, We can't, the tribulation cannot, I know it sure looks like the tribulation. It really looks like the tribulation, but the tribulation cannot start until the final antichrist makes a covenant with Israel, all right? If, If you and I see the final antichrist, a man rise to power who speaks with great persuasion and he signs a seven year covenant with Israel and it allows them to build the temple. I'm gonna probably come to you and say, Guess what, church? We're not pre trib, <laughs> right? Because that should happen after we're gone. But I do, the Bible is very clear that the tribulation doesn't start until that happens, all right? So we're not in the tribulation. Um, so how does this war play into end time prophecy? We've got Russia. Invading Ukraine, which people, most people said this wasn't going to happen, by the way, and it did. Um, it actually reminds me, I'm seeing some articles, uh, Macron met with him, French President Macron. Macron met with him and he said uh, something seemed different about Putin. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, I don't know if something's different about Putin if he's, there's something that has kind of overtaken him, but here's what I do know. There was, a, there was a pharaoh in Egypt that God hardened his heart. And when the Israelites were let go, the Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he chased after them, and it made no sense, but ended in his destruction. So I don't know if Putin's heart has been hardened by God, and it's causing these very erratic behaviors. I don't know. Um, there are a couple of things that could play out that I see potentially could play out. Okay, the first option, um, the first possibility, is uh, World War III, and um, I don't believe I don't believe that that's where we're headed. But that, but it's an option. It is an option. Um, and here's what I do know. Even if World War III were to happen, my hope is not in the status of nations. My hope is in Jesus, right? Um, if, we've, if we see nuclear activity on our shores, my hope is not in my ability to provide for my family or keep my family safe. My hope is in Jesus, right? Um, I don't actually see it going to World War III for a number of of biblical reasons, but that's just my interpretation of where prophecy is going. Um, I think the benefit of Russia invading Ukraine right now is it is bringing solidarity to the European Union. I think that's what we're seeing happen, take place right now. We know that in the end of days, um, the European Union will rise up. Daniel 7 talks about 10 horns that rise up. It's basically the revived Roman Empire. Listen, right now, There is no revived Roman Empire. There is not a strong leader on the planet except Putin. And I know that maybe sounds offensive, but it's true. That's why Putin is able to do what he's doing right now, because everyone is afraid of this guy. But we do know in the end of days there are going to be ten kings that rise up, the revived Roman Empire. And that's what I see the benefit of this war. This is why I don't think it's going to go to world war, because I think the purpose that it's serving is to strengthen the EU and to allow a revived Roman Empire to rise up. And out of those ten horns, there will be a little horn that pops up. That little horn is the final Antichrist. He will take out three of the kings and the rest of the kings will follow him all right? So I see the stage being set through this conflict. Now, the Bible doesn't specifically say if we're going to have a World War Three. It didn't say if we were going to have a World War II, but we did. It didn't say we were going to have a World War I, but we did. The Bible really only talks about conflict with Israel, because Israel is the centerpiece of the world, okay? So um, it, any of these are possible, I suppose. Another possibility is that uh, Israel is surrounded by enemies. Some people believe that Psalm 83 war has already happened. Some people believe that it hasn't. Um, I'll let you read to discern what you think on that. I, I think I tend to lean towards it has already happened, uh, but there's some things that don't quite sit well with me that think we might could see another fulfillment of the Psalm 83 war. Um, And in that war, we see that Israel is surrounded. Now, it's interesting to me that Russia is doing drills in the Mediterranean Sea right now. They've got tons of submarines there. They've got tons of of troops in Syria. It's, It's interesting to me that Russia even claims that the Syria border between Syria and Israel is a Russian border. Have you heard that? Russia, Putin said that he borders Israel because he is in Syria. He has troops in Syria. He's claiming Syria as his territory. And just a couple of days ago, uh, Putin said that the Golan Heights, the north part of Israel, um, was not a sovereign territory of Israel. So we see the stage being set for Putin possibly to invade Israel, all right? Now, there's a third option. This is the one I'm praying for. I'm, I'm just praying that everyone on the playground will just get along. (laughs) I believe that as believers, as followers of Jesus, our goal is to always pray for peace, to speak life into situations, continue to pray for the will of God to be done. But we should be praying for the peace of our country, for the peace of our community, our city, our world. We should be praying for that. God has intervened in wars before. In 1967, the Six Day War with Israel, there were many miracles that took place. I actually think there have been miracles in this this war already, in the Russia-Ukraine conflict. I'm I'm seeing the hand of God direct some things, and I'm, I'm watching it to see what's going to happen. But in 1967, just one story I'll tell you real quick: um, there were seven men in a in a trench, and the enemy, the Arabs, were running, they had their guns, and they were running towards the trench, and these men knew that they were done for. They were out of ammunition. They just knew this was their time, and uh, it was a fairly large group of Arabs running towards them, and they, they get, you know, from, from here to the TV, and all of a the sudden, they, they drop their weapons, and they stop for a moment, and then they take off running, screaming the opposite direction. Years pass by, and the man that was in the IDF, the, the Jewish army, he was 70, in his 70s now, he was sitting at a coffee shop and he happens to be talking to an Arab. Uh, and they, they find out that they were in the service at the same time and it comes out that they were actually in you know, the same war together, in the same uh, theater together and in the same area together. And it comes out that this Arab was one of the men rushing the Jewish man in the trench. And he says to the Arab gentleman, he says, can, can you just explain to me what happened? Because we were dead. We knew we were gone. We, we already knew that it was over for us. And he said, well, just as we were approaching out, out of nowhere behind you, behind the trench, we saw a very tall man standing with a flaming sword. <laughs> and there was no tall man behind these people. What these people encountered was an angel of the Lord that said, not today. And so I'm just believing that in this conflict, that God is just dispatching angels to say, not today. Like, I pray that it will fulfill the prophetic need that that God's prophetic plan will be accomplished. Yes. But I'm praying that in the midst of that, that there will be unlimited salvations. That people will just encounter the presence of God, the peace of God in trenches, that the the aggressor will encounter supernaturally uh, the, a manifestation of God. I, I just, I believe that that's possible. You know, Ezekiel, I, I was going to read all of Ezekiel, but I'm out of, out of time. You can find the Ezekiel uh, war, Gog and Magog, in Ezekiel chapter 38. And as you're reading um, It says different ancient names of people, and I'm going to go ahead and give you the answers to your fill-in-the-blanks today, so you can go home and read it and see what it's talking about. Wherever this scripture talks about Rosh, it's referring to Russia, all right? And this is not speculation. We've actually gone back to the people groups and the geographic region of where these people once resided, and we're saying it's these people now. Does that make sense? So Rosh was in the area where Russia today is. So it's that people group. So uh, Rosh will be the leader that leads the people down to invade Israel. So we already know that Russia is going to be in the forefront. It may or may not be Putin. Who knows when this happens? Putin could be out of power by then. But we know that Russia will lead the forces of many nations to invade Israel. That's also why this war is important, because it is strengthening the power of Russia, at least in the world's eyes. At least in the Middle East, Russia is gaining strength because of this war, all right? When you see Magog, uh, that's referring to a a wide range of of geographic location. That would be Russia, Turkey, Central Asia republics, okay? Um, So it's like a conglomeration of nations when you see Meshach and Tubal, that's Turkey. When you read Persia, anyone know what Persia is? Iran. Iran. And they still actually, to this day, people from Iran will say that they're Persian. I just love the name Persian for some reason. I want to buy a Persian rug just because I love <laughs> to say the word Persian. Um, and then Kush. Uh, Kush is northern Sudan. Put is Libya which we see this coming together as well. Libya right now is messed up, guys. It's uh, almost like a civil war going on, Uh, but Putin's got his hands in put as well, and I believe that he could at some point easily today, he could just claim that they don't have a sovereign territory because their government is so messed up and he could take, he could set up a proxy government uh, in Libya, but Libya will support this. And then Gomer and Beth Togarmah is Turkey. So what we really see, as you're seeing the news come out, here's what you want to look for. You want to look for news with Iran, Turkey, and Russia. These three are building an alliance, and, and the Bible says it's going to happen, so that's 100% guarantee that that's going to happen, all right? Um, if you see news that appears that Turkey is going against Russia, dig deeper. Do You hear me? If you see news where it looks like Turkey is going against Russia, dig deeper, Uh, because the Bible is very clear these three will be in a very solid alliance, um, and they will invade Israel. When you read Ezekiel 38, you're going to notice that Egypt isn't mentioned, America isn't mentioned, Canada is not mentioned, um, EU is not mentioned, UK is not mentioned, um, did I say Australia? Australia is not mentioned. India is not mentioned. There are a lot of key players. That doesn't mean that all of these nations are going to be destroyed. It means they're going to be weak. So we can expect that America, America is falling. Maybe not from a nuclear explosion, but we will be so inconsequential in the end times that the nations will rise against Israel and Israel will stand alone. Much like Ukraine has. We're there, church. We're there. I... I suppose... um, What I really want us to do is... To spend time in prayer this coming week over Ukraine, um, over Russia, uh, over every player, really just the globe, needs Jesus right now. But specifically, we have a connection in Russia, and I wanted to bring their picture to you just to, to make it a bit more uh, tangible of what's going on. Uh, there's a family Dima and his wife, Alexandra. Do we have their picture? Yeah, that's Dima. They were able to evacuate, and they've gotten into Poland, and we're trying to get them here. Uh, We're trying to get them out of Poland because uh, Putin could could move beyond Ukraine. We don't know when this is going to stop or how it's going to end. They were in a car... And the announcement was made that after, you know, a set number of hours, anyone that was over the age of 18 couldn't leave the country. And so Dima jumped out of the car. Huh? Males. Yes, sorry. Thank you. Uh, Males over the age of 18 couldn't leave the country. Understandable, they're trying to, you know, protect their country. Uh, Dima took off running uh, to get, try to make the cutoff. So he had passed several cars. His wife and kids were in the car. Anyway, he got through. Um, and then they joined him five to six, seven hours later. Uh, but we're trying to get them from Poland to here. And then the next family is Sasha. Sasha is the older man, sec- top top row, second to the right. No, wait, second from the right. Is that how you say that? Okay. Uh, Sasha, his wife, they're a beautiful family. Sasha is a pastor in Ukraine, and he's a third-generation pastor his father and his grandfather, they have been imprisoned for their, their belief. Um, all the family made it out. He's in, he's in uh, oh gosh, it's about an hour and a half from Kiev. I can't remember the, the city. Do you remember the city? I don't remember the city. Um, but he stayed behind because he's a pastor and he wants to be there for his church. And um, we're hearing reports of people flooding the churches for safety, and while they're there, the pastors are giving the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I just, I get chills when I think about it because it's in moments of chaos like this where God becomes so close to us. And so uh, what I would like to do is, if, if you're able and willing, I would love to receive an offering for these two families to help, help get Dima here and then to help support Sasha's family. Um, and we just wanna lift them up in prayer, all right? Will you stand with me? If I were to wrap today's talk into one sentence, I would probably, Just remind you that God is faithful, and God is able, amen. I'm going to pray over you and pray over the offering, and maybe if you want to drop it off in the container and you can use, I don't know, I I didn't prepare a worship post for extra offering envelopes, but if you need an envelope, I didn't think about that, um, and you want to write Sasha's name on it, or just Ukraine, you can do that, I'm sorry, oh they're at the barrels, great. Um, you can also give online, your Secure Give app. If you want to give a couple bucks, just write Ukraine so we know and we can get it to them. It's going to go this week as soon as we can get it to them to help support them and get them, get them safe and continue to spread the gospel in Ukraine where all of this is going on. All right. Father, in Jesus' name, I come before you. I thank you. God, I thank you that there is nothing that the world encounters that, that you are caught off guard by. I thank you that as a son... I know that you're a good father and, and your good fatherhood isn't dependent on the circumstances around us. It doesn't depend on the resources of our nation or of the world. But God, I thank you that in this moment, in the coming days and weeks, as we watch this unfold and watch this play out and see how you're going to use this to allow your prophetic declarations to come to pass, God, I thank you that there is peace among us. There is trust in our heart. And God, I just thank you that we, the church, are able to even now make a difference in the hearts and lives of people. God, so we just pray over Ukraine right now. We lift up Russia to you. God, I thank you that um, even now you are working all things for the good of those who love you. God, I ask for supernatural protection over the Ukrainians and over the Russians. God, so many Russians that are there that don't want to be there. God, I just ask that you would give them divine encounters with you. God, that they would just sense your heart for humanity. In Jesus' name I pray. Let the church say amen. Amen. God bless you guys.